Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, it's that time of the week. It's Tuesday, and here he comes wearing his uh, shaps and his old mule-eared boots and a Stetson that looks like it got run over by a Conestoga wagon. Fortunately, his head wasn't in it. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How it's are you? Good. Nice day out there, sort of. It's a little sprinkling, a little bit of rain. Is it sprinkling a little yeah, bit? Yeah, a little bit. It's a nice day. It's yeah. not cold. Yeah, so. Well, anyhow. Uh, can you imagine what it was like in the Old West, knowing that rain or snow, sleet or hail, wind, whatever, they still had to keep on moving? <laughs> they kept a-going. Yep. They did. And I'm glad they did. Yep. So so today I'm going to throw in a story about a group of men called the Cowboys. And I'm going to throw in a little bit about Wyatt, Virgil, and Morgan Earp. How does that sound? Okay, the Cowboys... And Wyatt and Virgil and Morgan Earp. Now, I'll show you how the Earps were not really cowboys. No, but I'm going to show you how they meet. Oh, okay. How they come together. So the cowboys uh, actually were the Old West's biggest outlaw gang. That's what they referred to them as. Oh. And in Arizona and New Mexico, they committed highway robberies. They uh, robbed Mexican pack trains. They, they stole thousands of heads of cattle on both sides of the border uh, and murdered at least 35 men. Oh, my. These guys were not good, not good guys. Now, the, co- the cowboys worked closely with dishonest ranchers who helped them to smuggle and conceal the stolen livestock and with crooked butchers and cattle dealers who were only too happy to buy cheap stolen beef. They just turned the other way. They knew they were stolen. And they were unopposed in Arizona territory until they ran headlong into the deadly Wyatt, Virgil, Morgan Earp, and Doc Holliday. And we'll get to that a little later. i got to have a question, though, quickly. Okay. Is this the group or uh, bad guys that was featured in the movie uh, that they cleaned up? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the that movie was. They wore a red bandana on their boots or their... Uh, it does, my, my story doesn't talk about that. Oh, okay. So I, so I don't right. know I'm sorry. about that. I mean, okay. They could have been, though. Okay. But anyway, the, the Cowboys' beginnings lay in the savvy and the six-shooters of John Kinney, one of the most notorious outlaws of the American Southwest. Several desperados who became leading men in the Cowboys rode with John Kinney in Texas and New Mexico Territory, playing bloody roles in the El Paso Salt War and the Lincoln County War, and Mm -hmm. you you know about that. And two of these guys were Bob Martin and Curly Bill Brocious. I remember that name. Okay. So in November 1878, uh, these guys had been in jail, and they broke jail near El Paso, and they fled to southeastern Arizona Territory. It was an isolated frontier. There was no settlements, no towns, no border, and best of all, no law enforcement. Just mountains and desert and mesquite and Apaches. So during the next two years, Bob Martin and Curly Bill were joined by a bunch of bad guys and fugitives, including Johnny Ringo, Pony Deal, Cactus Bill Graham, Harry the Kid, Frank Stilwell, and a bunch of others. Just bad guys. Anyway, they formed a pretty loose-knit gang of about a 100 outlaws, which operated in small bands on both sides of the border. Their number would eventually grow to as many as 200, and the Mexicans called them 
Tejanos or Texans. Right, right. That's what they were referred to. So, but the Americans called them the cowboys. Mm-hmm. That's where that came. And although the term cowboy had been in common use in New England and the late 1700s, by 1879 it took on kind of a bad meaning in Arizona and New Mexico. And one frontier journalist explained that cowboy is a cross between a vaquero and a high woman. Highwayman. Yeah. So the early term of cowboy was not not a good thing. Okay. Well, I mean, it depends on how yeah. you look at it. I guess. Yeah. You know. Anyway, while most of the cowboys were Anglo, the bang the band included some Hispanics, including a guy by the name of Florentino Sayas, and he first came to prominence as a member of the gang of Guadalupe. Salaya. You're having fun with this, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. He, a, this was a Mexican revolutionary uh, in September 1878. Sayas uh, and other members of his gang committed one of Frontier, Arizona's most infamous murders. There was a place called Barrel Springs in Davidson County, 33 miles southeast of Tucson. Okay. Ever gotcha. heard of that? Yep. Okay. Well, they ambushed and killed Captain John Hicks Adams and his mining partner, Cornelius Finley. Now, Captain Adams was one of California's most famous lawmen. He had served as sheriff in San Jose. He and his partner, Finley, had just been sworn in as deputy U.S. Marshals. So this Sayas guy managed to escape justice uh, after killing them. He got away. But more than three years later, he would meet his fate in the deadly guns of Wyatt Earp. Uh Uh-oh, look out. Here comes Wyatt. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we go back to 1878. The mining camp of Tombstone sprang up, and it quickly became the cowboy's favorite watering hole. On the night of April 8, 1879, Charlie Snow, a killer who rode in the Lincoln County War, he kind of got liquored up in Tombstone. He soon ran into a guy named Frank Patterson, a 25-year-old cowboy, so he was an outlaw too, but he owned a ranch. Well, the two of them got into a quarrel, uh, which ended when Patterson, the rancher, drew his pistol and shot Snow. Shot him down. Uh-oh. Well, one of the witnesses later said that Snow, or that uh, the New Mexico Desperado was not uh, really wounded that bad. He was just, just a flesh wound. Oh, he okay. didn't kill him. No, he didn't kill him. But the officers arrested Patterson, but because Snow recovered from his wound, they didn't charge him. <laughs> they just kidding. let him go. Really? Yeah, the guy didn't die. He was oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. You know. Well, anyway, before long, Patterson, the rancher, was involved in a much deadlier affair on November 9, 1879. An old prospector named John Van Hooten was found dead. The deputy sheriffs quickly arrested three of the cowboys, Frank Patterson, the rancher, Pete Spence, and another guy named Frank Stillwell. Now, Stillwell was a little more well-known as an outlaw, as well as some other three other suspects. Well, they were accused of trying to jump Van Hooten's uh, mining claim, and as was customary in that time and place, all gained their release due to lack of evidence. The three cowboys, especially Stillwell and Spence, would be heard from again and again in the years that followed, and Stillwell would not survive his final encounter with Wyatt Earp. (laughs) Wyatt was busy. (laughs) He was a busy guy. Buying ammunition. He was. Uh, he was a busy guy. So we have Bob Martin and Curly Bill, and they made frequent raids across the border to steal cattle from Mexican rancheros. One of the targets was the Coralitos Mining and Cattle Company. Its owner, Ramon Lujan, had been joined by one of his American partners, a guy by the name of Major George B. Zimpleman. 
Zimpleman. Zimpleman. Okay. So remember that name. Easy to remember. Easy to remember. Zimpleman. Zimpleman. So Zimpleman became wealthy investing in business, mine, businesses, mines, and ranches in Texas and Mexico. By the summer of 1880, he'd moved to Mexico. Now, because of the repeated cowboy raids, Zimpleman brought several men with him from El Paso. He was not happy to have his cattle be stolen. So, well, imagine that. Yeah. So these Texans, <laughs> along with Mexican recruits, were known as Zimpleman's Guards. Okay? Uh-huh. You got the picture? So Martin and Burley, uh, Curly Bill had picked a kind of a tough outfit to tangle with, so to speak. Yeah. So in early August 1880, Bob Martin and Curly Bill and another partner named Miller McAllister, uh, who was actually a crooked butcher, McAllister who would take all the stolen cattle, cut them up and sell them, you know. Anyway, uh, was they, and then several other cowboys, they rounded up 300 head of cattle on, the, on Zimpleman's ranch, and they started for the border. Well... The theft was quickly discovered, and Major Zimpleman and 14 of his guards and vaqueros took to the saddle. They trailed them north. Mexican volunteers joined the pursuers, and they spent two more days tracking the outlaws across the border. Wow. So you got the picture here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 300 head of cows, some cowboys against Zimpleman's guards. Yep. Anyway, so the posse found the outlaws holed up in a stockade in the new in the mountains of New Mexico. Their fortress fortress was made of posts that enclosed a small cave under an overhanging border. Curly Bill, Cactus Bill Graham, and an old man named Scotty. Uh, the cowboys were trapped in the stockade. Okay, they couldn't get out. They couldn't get out. Couldn't get out. Okay, so the outlaws. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Bob Martin and his men were always heavily armed with six-shooters and Winchesters, while some of Zimpleman's guards quickly rounded up the herd of stolen cattle. Uh, the rest of them surrounded the stockade where these guys were hiding. Well, the cowboys immediately opened fire, and the guards returned it shot after shot. And according to one of the witnesses, he said, the Mexicans would put their hats on a stick, and every time Cactus Bill Graham would just cut loose at it. Until finally, Curly Bill told him to quit shooting at the hats. <laughs> because the, the Mexicans were just doing that so that uh, get them to shoot all their cartridges, and, and then they could take them over. But uh, uh, Curly Bill, he couldn't resist, and, or I mean, uh, Curtis yeah. Anyway, Cactus Bill. Cactus Bill. He got too said. many bills in there. <laughs> and Curly Bill told him if he didn't quit shooting, he was going to take his cartridges away from him. 
hats. So quit shooting at the hats. Okay. Anyway, so above the noise of the gunfire, uh, fire, uh, Curly Bill shouted to Graham, quote, Now, if they make a rush on us, I will give your cartridges back, but not until they do. <laughs> Can you just picture that, Zach? You know, really, when you think about it, here's a serious situation, a yeah. deadly situation, and you got some absolute jerk that just wants to shoot hats. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess you you would call that buck fever. Uh, I know. would say, but, you know, that's a pretty big target, those old sombreros. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you'd think after he put a few holes in one. You'd Wouldn't push. he wise up and say, maybe I'm running out of shells? Yeah, yeah. You, you would think. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, every time a, a uh, guard showed himself the least bit, Curly would uh, would get him. He, <laughs> they shot him. But Curly Bill never lost his nerve or got rattled under the circumstances. And the Cowboys winged a few of, the, of Zimpleman's guards. I see. Uh, and wounded two of the posse's horses. Uh oh. So finally, Tom Mode, one of Zimpleman's men, caught a glimpse of Curly Bill and he squeezed off a rifle round. Uh oh. Okay. Now, the bullet grazed the side of Curly Bill's head and knocked him to the ground. Just grazed. Okay. But the cowboys were unfazed and stubbornly defended their stockade with rifle and pistol fire. Zimpleman finally decided to withdraw for fear of having some of his men killed. So probably a smart move. I mean, you know, he was looking out for his guys, his his guards. Well, the Cowboys brought the wounded Curly Bill to safety and sent for a doctor in Silver City, and Curly actually recovered. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're in a life-and-death situation. Yeah. They're trapped in a cave. Yeah. And the Zimpleman gang, or ranchers, they left. Yeah. And then the bad guys go to town and get a doctor. That's this right. is all for a Hollywood movie. You know <laughs> it that? Is. It's great. Yeah. And I don't know which town they went to. But anyway, but the governor of Chihuahua complained about the raids to the U.S. authorities, charging that the outlaws belong to the band, which is under the leadership of the notorious criminal Robert E. Bob Martin. Uh-oh. Anyway, so, but nothing happened. Okay, the appeal didn't do any good. But anyway, a few weeks later, uh, Mexicans somehow managed to capture Bob Martin, and he was jailed in a place called Ascension. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Okay. And that's in New Mexico, I think, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, but probably through bribery, a local judge promptly let him go. Imagine that. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, so Bob Martin escaped back to his hideout in New Mexico, and he did not live long. Three months later, he was shot and killed by a fellow cowboy in a quarrel over stolen horses. Oh, oh. So you live by the bullet, you'll die by the bullet. Yeah. So with his death, Curly Bill quickly came to the forefront as the most notorious cowboy leader. But the cowboy's most brazen episode did not involve smuggling or raiding or shooting. Now, this is kind of a switch of what they're doing, okay? In October 1880, President Rutherford B. Hayes (laughs) made a hugely publicized railroad excursion to the Pacific Coast. His trip back to Washington, D.C. was on the Southern Pacific and Santa Fe Railroad, which at that time had not been completed. So after visiting Yosemite and Los Angeles, California, Hayes headed for Arizona, reached Tucson on October 24th. There were a lot of crowds greeting the president, who was accompanied by a bunch of dignitaries, including General William Tecumseh Sherman and their wives. Really? We have a call. Can we take that quickly? Uh, Caller, real fast. You're on the air. Real, real fast. This is Bob 
<laughs> Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that comment, and I, I, I'm glad you're still alive and kicking. And Thanks, I, Bob. Go saddle your horse. Get out of Dodge. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Okay. Anyway, so you got the picture. Here we got the president and all these important yeah, people. Yeah. So after a carriage tour of the Tucson's old Pueblo, they were to proceed east through San, si- San Simon Station to the railhead near Lordsburg, New Mexico. Right. From there, the presidential party would board horse-drawn U.S. Army ambulances for the 180-mile overland journey to the Santa Fe, Santa Fe Railhead in New Mexico. And this was a kind of an, uh, a risky thing because they were going into the heart of the Apache territory. Yeah, the president. Yeah. Yeah. But the danger didn't come from the Apaches. Just as the president's party was getting ready to leave Tucson that evening, they received a message that the cowboys had threatened to stop the train. Oh, my. And, you know, I don't know what they had in mind to rob the train or kidnap the president or, you know, I don't know what their thoughts were behind Whoa. this. Anyway... Uh, what kind of a security guard force did the president have? I have no idea. I'm sure he had some kind oh, of... Oh, he had to. Yeah. But, uh, well, he had uh, Sherman, General Sherman with him. Yeah. I mean, the general. But anyway, there's another guy named General Orlando Wilcox. He was the commander of the Army in Arizona. He boarded the coaches, the train, with several of his staff. And at Benson, the train stopped, and General Wilcox telegraphed ahead to Fort Bowie. He ordered a... De- detachment of the 6th Cavalry to ride to San, San Simon, 14 miles northeast of the fort, to guard against the Cowboys. I see. So they, they were warned ahead of time. They were warned. Yeah. So when Secret the tra- Service knew about it. They must have. Yeah. <laughs> but when the train reached Wilcox, uh, a stop named after the general, uh, he had his telegraph operator tap the line and send a message to Fort Bowie. This message did not go through or either because the lines were cut down by the Cowboys or somebody. Mm. But anyway, General Wilcox also called for civilian volunteers to accompany the president. And so as they went along, they got more people to help. And 25 armed men quickly scrambled aboard the train. So he had some volunteers that that, uh, jumped on. Wow. Anyway. And uh, really, there was no security clearances or anything. They just took whoever wanted to jump on board. Yeah. (laughs) You couldn't do that today. Uh, No. But anyway, a Tucson journalist who accompanied the train reported, quote, Happily, nothing occurred. Oh, my. So, fresh from threatening the President of the United States, a group of cowboys, which included Curly Bill, turned their horses toward Tombstone as they loped their Texas Mustangs across the cactus-studded desert, looking forward to raising a little fun. That's not the way it's worded, and you know it. (laughs) Raising some fun in Tombstone. They could not have imagined what waited for them. The cowboys' epic confrontation with Wyatt Earp and his brothers was about to begin. Oh, oh, look out. We got two minutes. I know it. And I'll have it done, too. All right. Curly Bill had a number of conflicts with the lawmen of the Earp family, and he was named as one of the individuals who participated in Morgan Earp's assassination. Oh. Now, Deputy U.S. Marshal Wyatt Earp and a group of deputies, including his brother Warren Earp, pursued those they believed responsible for Morgan's death. Well, the Earp Posse unexpectedly encountered Curly Bill and other cowboys at a place called Iron Springs. Uh, Wyatt killed Curly Bill during the shootout, and uh, 
So that is Curly Bill, uh, Arizona's most famous outlaw. This movie, uh, I, I, it was with Kurt Russell. It was about Wyatt Earp. And when they met with Doc Holliday and everybody going after these this group, but there was a special name that they had for him in the movie. And it's based on a lot of what you just said. Okay. And uh, I remember all the stories about Curly Bill and uh, the really rough and tumble uh, associations they had back in the southern Arizona. I mean, it was a pretty trying time right well, through yeah, there. Well, yeah, no, as I explained, not many settlements, not hardly any law. So Absolutely. I just heard a bang. Is everybody all right outside the studio door, <laughs> I hope? Uh, but anyway, Curly Bill met his demise by Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. And and then Wyatt stayed there. Was this before the battle, uh, the gunfight at the OK Corral? You know, I'm not sure the exact sequence. I'm I think sure. it was before, sure. I okay. believe. Okay. Maybe I'm it was, wrong. It was 1878, or, yeah, 1878, and I'm not sure what year. I'm trying to recall the gunfight at the OK Corral. And then, quickly on Wyatt Earp, uh, didn't he leave Tombstone, and instead of taking another job, didn't he go to the coast and live in Frisco for a while? You know, I get the Earps mixed up a little bit. Wyatt, who, Wyatt but lived, that could be, yes. Yeah. That, Wyatt got married again. Okay. And went on a cruise. I know they had him pictures. There's pictures of him on a cruise going to Alaska. Okay. Yeah, not really a cruise, but a right. destination point. Yeah. And uh, then he came back, and I believe he resided in the San Francisco now, I think area. I did a story on him up in Alaska. Yes, you did. Yeah, yes, that's true. Did. Yeah. A great story. I like those old stories, and yeah. a lot of which has been put into movie and book form. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you got anything else? I don't. <laughs> okay. I had to turn my mic off to clear my throat. Listen, we had a caller, but we're out of time. I appreciate that, and I'm so sorry, but we're fresh out of time. And you'll be here again next week, correct? I'll be here. All right. You don't have to hurry and put your cap on. He's got his cap on, and he's headed out the door. Didn't want to forget it. Oh, my goodness sakes. Dr. History. And I'll do one commercial word here, and then we'll send it back over to our main studio. Thank you, Dr. Ken Turner. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.